For our text this morning, we'll just reread two verses from our scripture reading. Luke chapter 5, we'll read verses 4 and 5. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. This is really a wonderful lesson on obeying the Lord. You can almost picture the scene that day. Jesus had been preaching and the people were hungry to hear. This was early on in Christ's ministry. It says as he stood by the lake, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of the Lord. So that was a hungry group of people. Jesus had a captive audience that day, but because of the crowds, he commandeered one of the two fishing boats there, which happened to be Peter's, although that was an intentional choice. And he told Simon to thrust out a little further from the land so he could be better heard. No doubt probably the acoustics on the water would have allowed his voice to travel and he would have been able to be heard by the crowd better. And it says he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. What's interesting about this account is we don't have any recorded words of what Jesus said to that large group of people that day. I'm sure it was a wonderful sermon. All of Christ's messages were. No doubt it was important truths that the Lord had taught that day. Those words would have been divinely inspired. We have other sermons that Christ preached that were recorded, including the greatest sermon of all, the Sermon on the Mount. But for whatever reason, Luke omitted the message that he preached to the crowds that day. However, he did record probably the greatest sermon delivered that day, and that was the one he was about to deliver to Simon and the other fishermen on the boats, a message for each of us. The events of that day and what followed would forever change Peter's opinions and perceptions of who Jesus really was. And it would be forever changed because of a single act of obedience on the part of Peter. You know, Peter had already seen a little about what Jesus could do. In the previous chapter, it says that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and those that were there heard his words, and they were astonished at his doctrine. He spoke as one with authority, not as the scribes. And it says that as they heard him teach and preach, his words were with power. It goes on to tell us that while in the synagogue, Jesus healed a man that was possessed with an unclean devil, cast the devil out of that man, and it said that the devil left that man, and they were all amazed. Peter, no doubt, would have been there to witness all of this. He left the synagogue and he came to Peter's house. And when he got there, we read that he found Peter's mother-in-law had been taken with a great fever, very sick. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and the fever left her. And it says she immediately got up and ministered to them or served them. After that, when the sun was setting and the Sabbath day had ended, it said that people, they brought people, many that were sick and diseased and possessed with the devils. And it said Jesus touched them and healed them all. So Peter would have witnessed all of these things, but none of these things really had more of an impact on Peter's life personally than the event that we read about that took place on that boat with the Lord. Jesus had given Peter a commandment and a promise 
It says, Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. We also read Simon's response to the Lord's request. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. You can almost sense Peter's reluctance here. If you understand the situation a little bit, they've been toiling all night. They'd fished all night long and literally caught nothing. You know, I talked to Brother Wayne occasionally, and he told me about halibut season. It is 55 hours, and that is straight fishing. No sleeping, just fishing for 55 hours. And if you get a good catch, it's very profitable, but it's grueling. It's hard work. And the season, again, is only 55 hours long. I can only imagine how they would feel if they had fished for all that time and came back to the dock with nothing to show for it. And somebody said, go out and try it again. It's probably about how Peter felt around this time. They didn't even have a big fish story to brag about or one that got away because they didn't have anything that night. And really... This request probably went against Peter's pride. Jesus was a master. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi, maybe considered an intellectual by Peter. And he was a carpenter. He obviously knew about spiritual matters, but Peter was the fisherman. Peter spent his whole life fishing. No doubt Peter knew where all the best spots were to catch a fish. He knew what time of day they would bite. He knew what kind of bait to use. He spent his lifetime and his living fishing for a living. And here Jesus was telling him, go out, try it again. Maybe Jesus didn't understand the complexities involved. Did he really understand the daily uh, lives of Peter and the others and how they toiled and labored night and day just to provide for their families? Was he concerned with that area of their lives or was he just there to school them in spiritual matters? Well, Peter was about to find out. He said nothing will put a fisherman in a foul mood more than when a non-fisherman tells him how to catch fish. Well, that's kind of what was going on here. You know what? This request would have gone against Peter's logic says, after they had already fished or toiled all night, that word toil means work, labor. They weren't fishing for fun. This is what they did for a living. They toiled all night. The fish just weren't biting. Peter could have said, we've been there and done that. It didn't work. Conventional wisdom would say the type of fishing, the net fishing, it was always best to fish at night. I confirmed this with Brother Wayne, by the way. Fish don't see the nets at night, so it's better to fish at night. They're more active at night. Any seasoned fisherman would have known this, and they hear Jesus is saying, go out in the middle of the daytime and try it again. It didn't make any sense to Peter's logic. You know, if they weren't biting at night, certainly they wouldn't be biting during the day. It went against Peter's comfort and his convenience. He'd just come in from a fruitless night of fishing. They were cleaning their nets, cleaning up their gear, ready to call it a day. Peter was probably tired and exhausted. Probably the only thing on his mind was to go home and get a good meal, maybe spend a little time with his family and then go to bed. And Jesus wanted to send them out again to go back to work. But Jesus had given Peter and the 
other fishers here. He gave them a commandment and a promise. He spoke the word. They've been given instruction. You know, we've been given instructions in God's Word. We've been given wonderful promises in God's Word. But they didn't see any results until they were willing to act upon what they've been instructed to do. And the same is true for us. Peter would have to swallow his pride. Peter would have to abandon his own logic and his own reasoning, and he'd have to exert some effort. Probably have to sacrifice a few hours of sleep and comfort. But in spite of all these things, Peter was willing to acquiesce. We don't even know for sure why. Maybe he thought he would just humor Jesus. We don't know. But up to this point, Peter didn't really even know who Jesus was. He hadn't yet become a full-fledged disciple of Christ. He'd been following him occasionally. But I love his response. Nevertheless, at thy word... I will let down the net. What happened next changed the course of Peter's life and the life of those other uh, fishermen there. They became Christ's first disciples. It says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned for their partners to come and help, and they were filled both ships or both boats so that they began to sink. And we see... Peter's response. He realized for the first time who Christ really, truly was. He was keenly aware of the difference between him and the Lord. That grace and power of Jesus that produced in him a sense of his own sinfulness and unworthiness. Probably much like Isaiah felt when he had that vision of Christ and he said, woe is me. That's how Peter felt. He fell down at Jesus' knees and said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. O Lord, Notice he didn't call him master. He called him Lord here. He thought, Lord, how foolish I was to ever doubt your word. How sinful and foolish to doubt your word. He realized that Jesus not only had authority over spiritual matters and over sickness, but he had authority over the fish of the sea, and he wanted to have authority over Peter's life and the life of those other men. It says they were all astonished. So was James and John, who were Peter's partners. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You see, Jesus wanted to take a bunch of fishermen and turn them into the first evangelists. Had a plan for their lives. And says, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Peter might have been 90% convinced that Jesus was the Messiah before this account. But afterward... He was fully convinced. He realized Jesus was who he said he was. By that simple act of obedience, the Lord revealed himself to Peter in a very amazing and marvelous way. And Peter was willing at that point to follow him the rest of his life. You know, I thought about the kind of faith Peter showed that day. It was a nevertheless at thy word kind of faith. Nevertheless, that word means in spite of, even so, notwithstanding. You know, would to God that each of us could have that kind of faith. I was thinking, Lord, I want that kind of faith. The kind of faith not shaken by circumstances or difficulties or conventional wisdom. A faith that isn't shaped by what the world says or what the culture says. A, shape that isn't, a faith that isn't impacted by what things may appear 
No matter how impossible things may seem, a faith that isn't shaken regardless of what the doctor may say, a faith to simply take Jesus at His Word, even if it goes against our pride, a faith to be willing to humbly say, Lord, it may not be what I would have done. It may not have been what I chose. It's not something that I even understand or I fully comprehend. It's not convenient. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, I'm going to do what you say. You know, it's only when we're willing to truly take Christ at his word and to submit ourselves to the commandments of the Lord and to follow unconditionally that will discover the true joy of serving the Lord, the blessings that the Lord has in store. That's what it takes to be a true disciple. The Word of God says, if any man would be my disciple, let him first deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. That's certainly what he was calling these men to do that day, and they forsook all and followed him. You know, for Peter and the others, this meant giving up their fishing business to follow Christ. Sometimes following the Lord may require some financial sacrifices. We can trust the Lord with our finances. You can. The Lord will take care of you. If you put Him first, the Lord will always take care of His people. Again, in Matthew 17, it tells about a time when Peter needed to pay his taxes, and apparently he didn't have the money on hand. So Jesus said, go down to the sea, catch a fish, reach into his mouth, and you'll find a gold coin there and then go pay your taxes, and mine as well. That didn't make any sense. But Peter did it. The Lord came through for Peter time and time again. You know, I was thinking about a testimony I heard several years ago. A sister in Los Angeles, she shared about a time when she and her husband were living in Roseburg, Oregon. They were a young family. They had two small children, both toddlers, and a third on the way. It was right before Thanksgiving time, and her husband had been hospitalized four times in that same year. Very, very, very difficult time for them financially, but they were determined to honor the Lord and serve the Lord. And so she had begun selling Tupperware just to help make ends meet, and things were getting tighter and tighter, and she had negotiated with the electrical company to keep the power on. She was trying to make payments, and they worked with her for a while, but she got a notice from them saying, we need it paid in full or we're going to shut your electricity off. Well, she had two small kids, one on the way. It was in Roseburg. It was getting cold, approaching winter, and so she just sat down and she told the Lord, she said, Lord, you know, I want to honor you. I want to pay my tithe. I want to honor you. But I'm faced with a choice here. It's either pay my tithe or pay the electric bill. And as she began to make out all of the bills, she realized she was exactly 71 cents short of paying her electrical bill. And she felt like the Lord said, pay me first. And so she did. And she was scrounging around in the pockets, trying to find some change, 71 cents. And about that time, the phone rang, and she answered, and there was a lady who was frantic. She needed to purchase a very uh, random piece of Tupperware. She needed a lid for a gravy shaker. Well, this 
sister had sold a gravy shaker just a few months before and the person didn't want the lid. So she had this random part sitting on her shelf wondering, what in the world am I going to do with this thing? Just the part that lady needed. So she made the transaction over the phone and as she sat down to add up her commission on her sale, guess what it was? 71 cents. The exact amount she needed to pay her bills for that month. That's how the Lord works. But she said she was determined, Lord, nevertheless, it's your word. I don't understand it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I'm going to trust you. And the Lord helped her. She said she learned a lifelong lesson that day many years ago. She's gone through some very deep water since that time. The Lord has always taken care of her and sustained her. But it takes that kind of faith to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto us. But we want that nevertheless at the word kind of faith. We read of another account. The book of John, chapter 21, Jesus used another miracle of uh, fish here, a catch of fish, to once again speak to the disciples. John chapter 21 Verse 3 through 6 said, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. wonder if they didn't have a little bit of deja vu right about then. They'd seen this all before, and they realized, of course, at that time, at that moment, it was Jesus once again giving them some instructions. You know, this was about three years from the first time Christ had called them. And they had seen a lot in those three years. The first time Jesus called them there in Luke, that was before Jesus had been scourged and beaten and hung on that cross and put to death. At that time, they were fully convinced Jesus was the Messiah. But when they witnessed that, all hope was gone. They lost all hope. Yet Jesus appeared to them again after his resurrection and their hope was renewed, and Jesus gave them some instructions to go and wait until he appeared to them again. And so that's what we see here. There was this period of waiting, wondering what to do next. Well, the inclination was to go back to what they did before, but that's not what the Lord called them to do. He came along and he said uh, he had different plans for them. He showed them in a miraculous way. He was re redirecting his disciples. They got a little off course, so he was using this miracle to get them back on course. You know, Jesus gave them a commandment. Again, it didn't make any sense to Peter. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. Again, Peter could have thought, what good is that going to do? What difference is it going to make from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat? But again, he put in that, nevertheless, at that word, kind of faith, and he did it. And we know it says that the Lord, they caught 153 fish in one night. But that's how the Lord works. You know, once again, Jesus was proving to Peter and the other disciples they could trust him with their lives. They could trust him with their futures. That obedience to the Lord will always bring the blessing. 
Well, you know, the same can be said for us. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. You know, when Peter realized it was Jesus as he wrapped his coat around him and threw himself in the sea and swam to Jesus, wasn't trying to get away from the Lord this time. He wanted to get as close to Jesus as he could get. He wanted to be the first one on the shore. Peter had realized previously the dangers of following at a distance. He'd ended up denying Christ three times. It says, of course, he went out and wept bitterly, and the Lord restored him. But he was determined not to forsake the Lord again, and Jesus used this time as a time to reassure Peter in spite of all of his past failures. Jesus still loved Peter. He had a job for him to do. He said three times, feed my sheep. Again, emphasizing to Peter, he called him to be a different type of a fisherman. He wanted him to be fishers of men. Redirected their lives, gave them purpose, gave them hope. You know, Jesus can do the same for you today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've drifted away from the Lord. Maybe you've been running from a call that Christ has placed on your life. Maybe like Peter, you've denied the Lord once, twice, three times, multiple times, and you think there's no hope for me. What could the Lord possibly do for somebody like me? Well, there is hope. The Lord loves you. You know, maybe you've been doing things your own way and trusting in yourself, laboring night and day, coming up empty, or uh, maybe you've been catching nothing but grief and heartache and despair. The Lord says, there's hope for you. Jesus is calling you this morning. Maybe he's saying, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Launch out into the deep. Start doing things my way instead of your way for a change and see what happens. I'll tell you what will happen. The Lord will open up the windows of heaven. God will help you. God will bless you and strengthen you if you're willing to say, Lord, nevertheless, at that word, I'm going to trust you. The Lord will not fail you. You know, we have one more account in the Old Testament. A man by the name of Laman, or Naaman was stricken with leprosy, and he went down to see the prophet Elisha. He wanted to be healed. He'd been given a strange message from Elisha. He told him, go dip seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed and restored and made clean. Well, that's not what Naaman wanted to hear. And we know it isn't what he wanted to hear because the Bible tells us when he heard that, it says Naaman was wroth. And he said, behold, I thought, there's the problem with human nature. We think we need to abandon our own logic and our own way of thinking. When God says to do something, it doesn't have to make sense to us. But Naaman was wroth. He was told, of course, of course, go dip seven times in the Jordan and you'll be healed. You know, he was probably upset. He probably thought, doesn't this man even know who I am? He doesn't even have the decency to come out and see me in person. I'm Naaman, the captain. He sent out a lowly little messenger to, 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 to give me this message. He was wroth and upset. No doubt he probably thought, who would ever think of going down to that stinking, muddy, Nasty old Jordan River dipping seven times. He says, there's far better rivers in my own uh, land of Syria, the far, far in the, I don't know the one right now, but other rivers besides the Jordan. He didn't want to do it. Didn't appeal to him. Said he turned away in a rage. He almost went home to die a leper. But thankfully, 
his servants were able to re- reason with them. And they said, you know, if you'd been asked to do some great thing, if God had asked you to do something that would have brought you honor, you would have gladly done it. You would have done what they asked. You would have listened. Why not do it now? What do you have to lose? Well, he had what he had to lose. He had his life to lose. Finally, Naaman was willing to say, nevertheless, at thy word, he may not have said it with his mouth, but he certainly said it with his actions. It says, then Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times, not six, not eight, not ten, seven times in the Jordan, not the other rivers, but the Jordan River, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto a little child, and he was clean. Simple obedience to God's word. A willingness to say, Lord, doesn't have to make sense. doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to be something I would have done. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to take you at your word. You know, if you're here this morning, and you need to be restored and made clean from your sin sickness, just as Naaman needed to be cleansed from his leprosy, if you desire to become a disciple of Christ, just like Peter did back in those days of old, you have to be willing to do just what they did. You have to say, Lord, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do what you say. Unconditionally surrender to the Lord. Give your heart to the Lord this morning without reservation. Submit yourself. Instead of resisting and arguing, trying to be saved some other way, if you'll just do it God's way today, the Lord will save you. The Lord will restore you. The Lord will help you. If you need to be sanctified holy, maybe God's calling for a consecration out of your life. Just give it to the Lord. Submit that thing to the Lord. The Lord will sanctify you. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. You know, that attitude of submission and obedience to the Lord will bring a lifetime of blessings to you. It says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. This morning, you have an opportunity to come to the Lord. If you don't know him today, just surrender your life to the Lord. You know, if this is the first time you've heard about being saved, you don't, you don't have to figure it out. Just trust the Lord. It says, if you confess your sins, believe in your heart, the Lord will save you today. The Lord will help you, strengthen you. Whatever you need, we're going to sing 578. Let's come to these altars and seek the Lord.